What's interesting about breathwork is that it seems to be very approachable and that just the idea that you're breathing can change your state of being is not that far-fetched. You know, you don't have to take a magic pill, magic potion. You don't have to, you know, be a vegan. You don't have to go and become, do your yoga teacher training. You know, you can be any Joe Blow off the street and say, hey, follow these steps to use your breath and then you have a tool for life. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. It is so good to be back in the studio finally. Today's guest is a man on a mission to teach the world how to breathe with purpose. He travels around the world leading breathwork classes and workshops and I have been lucky enough to attend some of his classes myself and I can tell you that it is always a truly transformational experience. He is a Lululemon ambassador and his new book, Exhale, will teach you how to use breathwork to find calm, supercharge your health and perform at your best. Regular listeners of this podcast will know that I am obsessed with high performance, both personally and professionally. So I cannot wait to read this book myself. I am so happy to be joined by the man the Sunday Times described as the best in the business, Richie Bostock. Oh, Adrian, thank you so much for having me. So nice to see you again. It's been a while. Huh? It's so nice to see you. And even yeah. though we're sitting very far apart, <sighs> it's just as I just, you know, we just talked about before we started to record, I haven't been in the podcast studio in London since March. Oh my, how's it feel to be back? So good. Yeah. I mean, there's not anyone here, which is yeah, kind of strange. It's just us two in an empty room. <laughs> yeah, but it's just nice to be back. I love, love, love doing this podcast and I feel so lucky that I get to have in-depth conversations with people like yourself, get to siphon all of your knowledge and expertise and just squeeze it all into one episode that I then get to share with other people. So thank you, Richie, for being here and being the first guest back. I'll do my best to give you all the knowledge and wisdom that I can. Wicked. Okay, well, now you also have a beard, which you didn't have last time I saw you. So I'm sure because you have a beard, you must have more wisdom. I mean, that's what they say. And I just figured I'm just going to let it grow. And the, like, the longer you, it gets, the wiser you get, right? So, Absolutely. you know, I'm not actually trying to learn anything. I'm just counting on the beard <laughs> to get me there. <laughs> You're rocking it. So where should we start? I mean, I guess, firstly, for anyone listening to the intro who's like, Breathwork, well, I guess we should probably start there. I mean, as I mentioned, I did a workshop. I've done lots of your classes, but I also did a one-to-one breathwork mm. session with you, which was so incredible. And I talk about it to so many people. So maybe before we deep dive into all of that, could you, I guess, take us back a bit and talk to us about how you first discovered breathwork? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, f I came across it basically by accident or by fate, whichever one you want to believe in. Uh, I was looking for ways to be, be, to be able to help my dad, who was diagnosed years and years ago with multiple sclerosis, uh, MS. It's an autoimmune disease. And um, 
like all autoimmune diseases, there's no magic pill that you can take and it just disappears. It's often something people have to deal with for the rest of their lives. So I was looking for anything, whether it was alternative therapies, dietary changes, lifestyle changes, just anything that might be useful for him. And I came across this man by the name of Wim Hof, known as the Iceman. Yes. Um, amazing fellow, crazy Dutch guy. And he's called the Iceman because he holds uh, over 20 world records all related to cold exposure. So things like swimming under ice for the longest distance. Uh, he nearly summited Everest just wearing shorts and hiking boots and nothing else, you know. So just incredible human being. And um, he... He developed his, this method through his own experience and his own training uh, that is generally good for everybody's health and well-being, uh, but specifically it's very useful for people who have autoimmune issues. And uh, it just involves cold exposure, obviously, if you're the Iceman, it's going to be some cold exposure, uh, but then also breath work and breathing techniques. So I thought, okay, well, if he says this helps people with autoimmune issues, it's worth checking out. I, uh, I went to dad. And I was, my dad, I'm from Australia originally, but my dad's English and, you know, old school Brit, right? And I was like, hey, dad, this, uh, this, this Dutch guy called the Iceman says that if you take a cold shower every day and then do these breathing exercises, that it's going to help your MS. What do you think? And he's like, get out, <laughs> basically. Very well, open-minded. Yeah, it wasn't so into any course. You know, I think to most people, if you say that, that sounds absolutely insane, right? Um, but sometimes you just have like a real gut feeling about something. And I thought, you know what? I just feel like there's something to be explored here. So I ended up traveling to Poland uh, to spend a week in this tiny little Polish village in the middle of winter to have my very first... Wim Hof method experience where we were swimming in the ice lakes every day, hiking around in the snow, barefoot in our shorts, minus three degrees outside, going for, you know, hour, two hour hikes. Um, were you with Wim? Not for this first experience, no. Later I trained to be a Wim Hof instructor and that was all with Wim, but for this it was with some of his instructors. And, um, you know, yeah, we climbed the tallest uh, mountain in Poland again, just in our shorts, minus 19 degrees at the top. And, you know, there was a group of 25 of us there, uh, men, women, young, old, fit, not fit, every, you know, everyone under the sun. And not a single person got as much as a sniffle the entire week. So it was just mind-blowing, right, to see what is possible for us as human beings. And that cold stuff sounds amazing, but what actually blew my mind was the breath work, where we would go under, into the basement of this um, hotel, and we would do these 30-minute, 40-minute breathing sessions. And that was my very first experience of breath work. In my very first session, I, I just had the most incredible experience of moving through different emotions of just pure peace and calm to feelings of bliss to feelings of clarity and just getting all these new ideas, almost like visions of the future kind of thing, to feeling this sense of that everything is perfect in the way that it is and that I could do anything that I want to, the world is my oyster, these kinds of feelings. And it was just by breathing. So I, I remember very distinctly sitting um, at breakfast after doing my very first breathwork session and I had a mouthful of eggs and I was like, if I can feel this way just by breathing, why doesn't everybody know about this? Because... You know, it's, if, to me, it's almost criminal 
because you're using something that's already within you to be able to shift your state and have these experiences that can dramatically improve the quality of your life. So I just thought, man, I think there's something in this. And I didn't at that point say I'm going to become a breathwork instructor or anything, but there was, I think, a seed planted there. To cut a long story short, uh, I went back home, showed dad the photos, told him some stories, and he was like, oh, maybe there's something in this, you know? And, uh, you know, fast forward to where we are now, he does his breathing every day, cold showers every day, which took him a while to get used to, but he got there and uh, changed his diet as well, which is very important. And the progression of his MS completely stopped in his tracks. Wow. So. Wow. I think, yeah, that's incredibly powerful. And I think, you know, even what you did, you know, you kind of said, right, I wanted to find out more for my dad, but you went yourself, you know, you did the experience. And I think often, you know, I was nodding my head as you were describing because I've done breath work. And as I said, that session with you, you know, it was, I, I know what you're talking about, you know, that feeling. It's, it's actually quite hard to articulate how how immersive and how big the shift is you know you haven't you know unless I think the only other thing that perhaps could people could kind of relate it to I don't know I've never taken like hallucinogenics or anything like that but I feel like that's when people describe you know these these experiences that are so different um that that's how how it felt for me and so I think when you had that experience it's you know talking about things or 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 watching or reading you can only take you so far I think when you do something you experience it for yourself you feel it then it's like okay I know this to be true you know you know it exactly and like whenever I meet somebody uh obviously I don't know go out to a you know I was about to say go out to a social gathering I'm like man haven't done that in a while yeah what's that like (laughs) but you know go out and meet new people they ask you what you do and I, I teach people breath work or teach people how to breathe and then uh you know, they always look at me kind of strangely and a bit skeptically. What is that? And, you know, rather than try and explain anything, really, I just say, you're just going to have to try it sometime, you know, come along to a class or try some of the stuff online. And because I could stand here and try and tell you everything, but there's probably no point. Just come and then then you'll be curious and you'll really want to know what's going on. Um, yeah. So I know what you mean. And actually, you know, Wim has this incredible uh, quote. And that has always stuck with me from the very first moment I met him where he always says, experiencing is understanding. And there's like, there's a difference between understanding something intellectually and then knowing it in your body, knowing it in your heart. And that's when you actually get to live from that information rather than just intellectually having information in your brain. Mm, absolutely okay so if anyone's listening to this and you know we're talking about you know walking in the snow in your shorts or doing ice showers or you know breath work I guess in its simplest form could you summarize you know in a simple way what breath work is and why it why it works yeah well the way I define breath work is really just anytime you become aware of your breathing and then start to change it to create some sort of physical mental or emotional benefit for yourself so you know, it could be as simple as doing uh, a two-minute breathing exercise to help you to relax when you're feeling stressed. So in the moment, throughout your day, doing something, using your breath to change your state quickly. Then you can have something like, let's say, the Wim Hof method, which is a bit more of an involved practice where you'll actually sit or lie down and breathe for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Then, you know, you have things like pranayama, you have um, qigong, the Chinese medical styles of breath work. Uh, These are all more, you know, your involved, dedicated breath work practices. And then you have on the probably most 
interesting for me end of the spectrum is something that I call integrative breathwork, which is really just a category of different breathwork styles that are designed as a form of therapy and uh, spiritual development and experiencing. And this is where this is the similar thing that you did with me, where you lie down and you breathe in a certain way for you know usually about an hour, hour and a half, sometimes longer, and can have these profound shifts in perhaps seeing emotional challenges differently or even releasing certain challenging things you might be holding on to, whether it's things like past trauma, for example, um, or even opening up your awareness to different things like you know, plenty of people will start to see or feel certain beings or presences or all of a sudden start to get new ideas or insights on things, um, start to gain new perspectives on problems in their life. Uh, for me, that is probably the most exciting um, piece of where breath work is contributing to the world just because, gosh, there's so much going on right now. And if everyone knew that that existed, um, I feel it could really make a big difference in shifting us in a good direction. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to talk about that in the context of the world today. And I think even the first, I think the first thing you touched on then about, you know, if you're stressed, just taking a small break in the day, you know, we heard people say, you know, take a breath, you yeah. know, like just deep breathe. And you kind of think, well, how's I going to help? Well, how's it going to help just to breathe? But actually, I think since I've started to, you know, learn more about breath work and practice breath work regularly, I now, because I have like, I guess, different I guess like you would call them like patterns of, you know, breath work that I do. Mm. I now know that I can just, even if it's just in the car before I get out of the car to go into, you know, whatever I'm doing next, or maybe it's actually when I've been all day going from one thing to another thing to another thing. And, you know, on the phone, talking, driving, working. Sometimes it's after that when I kind of go, okay, let me just do two or three minutes of breathing. And, you know, it's kind of, I guess, you know, people can't, depending on what you need I think you can be more energized afterwards you can be calmer afterwards it's like you know I think for it, the habit as well you know people used to smoke I mean I know some people probably still do smoke but yeah. I think it's such an old school thing like people used yeah. to smoke <laughs> back in the day back in the day <laughs> and it sounds silly but you know people having that break in their day to hold something in their hand and breathe obviously they were inhaling smoke but it's kind of the same thing I feel like it breaks it's like a little break for me where it's like I do you know like I said two or three minutes and then I'm like okay what's next it's like a pause in between like i use it as like transitional moments throughout the day 100 percent. and i actually talk about that in the book for um, using breath work to quit smoking because you're totally right in a funny way smoking is kind of breath work because although you have you're you're sucking in this this smoke or this gas um at the same time you're breathing in slowly and then also exhaling slowly as well as you blow out the smoke and you're really being mindful of what that feels like and how good it feels in your body. And you're doing this for what, you know, a typical smoker it might be like five minutes or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. And you know, in the book, I challenge people who smoke to be like, try doing the exact same thing just without the cigarette and see how you feel. Mm. And I think it surprises a lot of people at actually just how good they can feel just by breathing in a certain way, even just for a short period of time, just a couple of minutes, like you said. Mm. You know, the 
you know, the breath is kind of like, you could almost say the the gas pedal and the brake for the nervous system. It's one of its amazing uses. So like when you are doing all the things, like you said, you know, you're running around and you, I know you, you're just like energizer bunny going all the time, right? And it can't stop you. But you know, there's moments where, you know, you do take a second to go, you know what? I am going to apply the brake for a second. I am going to give my nervous system just a second of respite and shift into my parasympathetic and just relax for a moment. Well, the breath is there for you to do that. And that's so what's so cool about it is that the, you get to decide whether you want to apply the accelerator or the brake, whether you want to create some energy using the breath or whether you want to relax and de-stress using the breath. And it's so simple and everyone could do it. Absolutely. It's great. I mean, as you can, listeners can probably tell, I'm a big fan. So <laughs> we mentioned a bit about your dad being sceptical, you yeah. know, but do you find that today people are maybe more open-minded to the idea of breath work? I think, you know, for me being in the wellness space and similar to yourself over the last 10 years, you know, I think in the last, say, 10 to 15 years, maybe, I think people didn't even talk, say, 15 years ago. People didn't even talk that mainstream about things like meditation. Even yoga was seen as a little bit of a like, you know, alternative thing. And I think in main culture, pop culture, but it seems to me anyway, that people amongst like my friends, my colleagues are so open to things like breath work and meditation and and all the apps that are now available. I think it's become more mainstream and that people are actually really keen to learn more. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, what I'm finding is that Although people, a lot more people know about meditation and mindfulness as these words, it's quite intimidating for a lot of people to get involved with because I think when people think of meditation, they think of, you know, the monk in the monastery um, and mindfulness. I think a lot of people think of like, oh, does that mean I have to pay attention to every single thing that I do every single moment of every single day, you know? And it can be a bit intimidating for a lot of people. But what's interesting about breath work is that it seems to be very approachable. And that just the idea that you're breathing can change your state of being is not that far-fetched. You know, a lot of people recognize, like I do a lot of corporate work, for example, and I always will start and be like, okay, when, when you're feeling stressed or anxious, do you notice that your breathing changes? And 99% of the room will put their hand up. So people know that their breathing uh, has something to do with their state of being, how they're thinking, how they're feeling. So it only makes sense then that they go, maybe I can use the breath as a tool to affect me positively and actually make changes. So, you know, I think once people get past the idea of, but don't I just breathe? And they actually just go one step further and think about it a little bit. It makes a lot of sense. And they go, oh yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense that my breathing would affect me in some way. Um, and then they get to experience it and then, you know, game over, mm. they're in it. And what a beautiful thing to be into because you know, you don't have to take a magic pill, magic potion. You don't have to, you know, be a vegan. You don't have to go and become, do your yoga teacher training. You know, you can be any Joe Blow off the street and say, hey, follow these steps to use your breath. And then you have a tool for life. Mm. And that's there for them to benefit from. So I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I see so many people, especially now because of what's happening in the world, who are so interested in managing um, not only their state of the state of being like stress or anxiety, but also taking the moment and starting to recognize, you know what, maybe I have some stuff that I need to actually work on, you know, whereas before that it was very easy to distract themselves. Right. Um, now I think this moment has forced a lot of people to actually look at themselves and go, man, there's some things that I think that if I could get a handle on, I think life would be a lot better. Mm -hmm. 
and then they start searching for ways in and breath works a very easy way in yes well there's two things i want to i want to say there one was about when you said the steps it's like step one step two step three for somebody like me richie i'm very practical i'm very analytical i like steps i like to see things that you can track progress data i'm just a data person so the idea when you said about people think meditation is like the monk and all that for me i was always quite resistant to yeah meditation i was like oh you know things that are slow and quiet and just sedentary and like that's not the natural state that I enjoy I like to move I like to make noise I like you know for me I was like it felt like a punishment the idea that you have to sit quietly it reminded me of school you know yeah. cross your legs sit up straight and close you know be quiet that's what I felt the meditation was so I never really vibe with it and I think the thing I like about breathwork so much is because I'm such a doer even in this I feel like yeah it's instructional so when I listen to um your breathwork classes and I have my headphones on it's like you're telling me you know breathe in hold your breath breathe out breathe in you know and there's fast breaths and the slow breaths and I'm still actively engaged in a way but then only for the first few minutes because then I'm just so into it that then I'm able to switch off then I'm able to whether you call it meditate relax like zone out whatever you want to call it it's the steps that I'm following that allow me to get there. Because if I just close my eyes and sit cross-legged or whatever people think you have to do, I just think, I'm like, I need to do this, I need to send that email, I need to do this thing. So I think for people that struggle to kind of do nothing, mm-hmm. breath work is a great thing to do. It sneaks up on you, doesn't it? And you're so right. You know, I think for a lot of people who find, let's say, meditation, like something that feels very foreign or challenging, you know what? It it is foreign. It is it is challenging, um, and getting a handle on your mind using your mind is kind of tricky, right? Um, whereas breath works so great because you're using the body to make changes in your mind. So it's like you're you're actually doing something. You're engaged in an activity um, in order to make physical changes to what's happening inside of you, and those physical changes will actually turn off your brain in certain parts. It actually will downregulate certain parts of the brain that are involved in that monkey chatter, that thinking about what you need to do or what happened yesterday. That part of the brain actually turns down in activity and other parts start to turn up. But that's why it's like you are involved for the, like you said, for the first few minutes and you're you're um, thinking about the breath, you're feeling the sensation through the body. And then eventually it all just kind of starts to fade into the background and then you just are. And, um, you know, I have the amount of people who will be say, I, I just can't meditate, but this is something I can hold on to. You know, it's, it's, it's really outstanding. Absolutely. So if you're listening to this and you are one of those people, then I absolutely encourage you to give it a try. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Now, I know that you have had, um, you've also been a guest on Dr. Rupi Audula's podcast, and I'm a big fan of, of Rupi. He's been on this show before. And I know that other doctors like Dr. Andrew Wheel, who I also am a big fan of, you know, they are, I guess, champions within the, you know, the medical profession of, you know, all these different ways to heal the body and apply, you know, food as medicine and all these different things. So how do you think breathwork is viewed by the science and medical community? Hmm. I think it, it. I think it varies, and 
I think you find more and more that people are uh, getting on board, understanding it, because the science as to what happens when we breathe in certain ways is really starting to get filled out now with various research and papers being published, um, whereas maybe 10 years ago, there was a lot less of that. And I think in some way, you know, yoga is really leading the charge in that. Like, I, you know, I don't know, for example, I have a good friend of mine who represents yoga and um, goes into parliament and talks about how to implement yoga in the NHS and that kind of thing. So, so when people start to see that, then they start to open their minds a little bit more to, okay, maybe there are other things as well. And, you know, breathwork is so closely linked to yoga in many ways that people kind of just you know, put them together in the same bag. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's funny you mentioned Rupi. I think I mentioned this on his podcast recently. You know, I have so much respect for particularly, let's say, front the frontline doctors who are just seeing people day in, day out, you know. And at least I remember in Australia, you know, like the, the consultation times are like six minutes, you know. So you're just you know, just, you know, cycling through people. And I work with people. I know what that feels like to be having to work with that many people every day, day in, day out. Like, it's, a, it's, it's almost to me seems a little bit unreasonable to expect them to be like, and now I'm going to do more research on other things that are maybe a bit outside of my scope of work, you know, because they're just so involved in what they do already. Um, and I think it's people like Rupi who can really lead the charge in, uh, championing these ideas around you know, nutrition, obviously, is the big one for him. Um, you know, there's Dr. Rongan Chatterjee as well, who's bringing in all sorts of aspects of things, whether it's sleep, exercise, movement, uh, pieces around mental health as well, breath work. Um, you know, to, to kind of bring it back, I think, it's, I think it's coming. You know, I've been invited to a lot of hospitals in, the, in London to work with the staff around how to use their breath. And what I think is particularly, like, think about all the patients who are just sitting in their beds with not much to do, why don't they have some sort of guided experience or even just a booklet or some just posters around being like, hey, try this breathing exercise because you know what? It can actually promote healing. It can actually help you to feel more calm and more present and not to think about the situation that you're in. Um, it only makes sense that these simple things that are actually completely free uh, that can make huge differences in people's lives or in this case, people's recovery um, should be implemented. So I do hope at some point that, you know, as one of my visions actually to see, you know, the importance of breathing taught at schools, you know, taught in any, at any, you know, public health um, institution as a first point of call for GPs to look at how people breathe as the first thing they look at, regardless of whatever it is, symptoms that they're exhibiting, because that can make such a huge difference. Mm, yeah. And I think, you know, how our breath changes, even if we're not thinking about it, conscious of it, you know, how it's impacted by our emotion. Even if you just think about, you know, when people gasp, you know, it's like you're mm. shocked or when you're maybe really relaxed before you fall asleep and you're breathing more slowly. Or, or as you said, if you're in chronic pain or you know I think there's all these things which maybe before it was quite viewed as quite woo woo and like you know oh that sounds good but actually I need something that's actually going to heal me and I need something that's actually going to you know I think that kind of the divide between you know the science and the nature I do think the the gap is starting to 
draw closer. And as you said, with people like Rupee and, and Dr. Chatterjee and other people like that, I think championing this idea that, oh, he's a qualified doctor. He actually is a GP. It's not, you know, someone who they assume, you know, knows nothing about science and is just, you know, barefoot in the, in the woods. You know, I think there's kind That's of like a good combination of, of both. To have these like people who have been on the front line working with people and having that experience then saying, hey, you know what? I think this is really important just really adds weight to 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 what they're trying what they're teaching and what they're sharing um, there's another guy called uh, dr. Joe Dispenza um, who is a brilliant brilliant uh, fellow talking a lot around the influence of even how you think on things like your physical mental and emotional health um, and how much you know in, in his work he has you know testimonial after testimony of people who have been able to heal themselves of things that you're not supposed to be able to heal from you know and i've been to a couple of his like retreats and i've seen it and i've seen the people um who have you know within days had you know, complete remissions of things like parkinson's disease right it's really incredible to see and it makes me so excited about what's possible for us mm. um yeah, I guess, yeah, with some things like that, it's like we're just scratching the surface, right? And oh. I've listened to a lot of his stuff too. And actually a conversation with a psychologist called Kelly McGonigal, I'm yeah. going to share with you. I don't know if you, do you know her work? I know of her, yeah. And the, yeah. The, her work is around stress. And, and for anyone listening who doesn't know much about her, you know, she really challenges this idea that actually, you know, stress and the way that we talk about stress and the way stress is told, you know, avoid stress and stress is bad for us and stress. She said it's actually the way we think about stress that is more detrimental to our physical health than the stress itself. So viewing a stress as a challenge or something that, for example, not to say that we just celebrate every time something bad happens. Oh, isn't this great? I'm going to learn something. It's not that, but it's saying that, you know what, every when, when you apply pressure to something, it, it causes change. And so if you are feeling, you know, stressed about something, you're more likely to probably you know, work on it or, or, or think about it. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that, I mean, she does a far better job of explaining it than I am, but it was a really great way for me to kind of think about the things that I would typically describe as stressful. This is stressing me out, this stress. And actually she also says that if something is stressful to you, it's because you care about it, which means it's meaningful to you. So in a way, aren't you lucky to have these things that you care so deeply about that you're laying in bed at night thinking, oh, actually it's like, that's a way I've tried to, to again, turn it around. And I think the way the world we're living in right now, I mean, we have to talk about it. So, you know, 2020, I mean, this year has been, a lot. It's been challenging for all of us in different ways, but collectively, I think we're all experiencing a level of uncertainty. So for some people, they might be uncertain about their job or about their ability to travel, visit friends, family, their parents' health, their kids' education. There's so much uncertainty right now. So... I guess it's kind of expected that people are sharing this feeling of anxiety or, or nervousness. So do you think that, yeah, living in the world that we are right now, how could breathwork help us to understand what's going on and to kind of shift out of this anxious state? Yeah, you know, I, I believe breathwork is the tool of our time. Um, and the main, main reason being just how easy and accessible it is. Um, and how you can use it in so many different ways. You know, we did talk about, okay, you can breathe in this way just to help you to relax in the moment or, um, you know, maybe even to create energy if you're feeling sluggish or down. Um, but in a world of uncertainty where we don't know what's going to happen 
and we don't know how and that's what's kind of unprecedented about what's going on right now it's like we don't know how long this is going to last for we don't know what's around the corner and if you know so like currently what we've experienced in 2020 is any kind of example anything can happen at any moment <laughs> you know we have every every reason to feel stressed anxious worried and to kind of go on what you're talking about as well with stress you know the main reason why we feel stressed is because you know, there's, there's a primal concern for our safety, for our survival. So our brain goes on overdrive and starts to worry about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me? Where is my next paycheck going to come from? Am I going to still be able to live here? All these things. And in an interesting way then, can you kind of reframe stress as a survival instinct? And in another way to reframe that, is, is that it's the greatest act of self-love that your body can give you. Because all that it can know in its kind of very simple, you know, material world 3D way is like, I just need to survive. And so I'm going to make you think about all these things in order to survive. And I'm not going to let up because we want to keep going on this earth. It's trying to keep you alive. Thank you. Thank you, stress. Thank you, anxiety. Yeah, thank you, worry, for for reminding me of these things. I appreciate it. But by the way, it's just, it, but it's just not really useful for you to be there all the time because it's stopping me from being able to do the things that I want to do or live the life that I want to live. And this is kind of where breathwork can come in because breathwork can massively shift how you think and how you feel within a matter of minutes. You know, when you lie down and do a 10 to 15 minute breathwork session, you know, you can, you can lie down in the worst mood ever and within 15 minutes be like, ah, oh, fantastic, you know, and have all these new ideas um, of perhaps um, things that you can do, new perspectives or new outlooks on life. Um, you know, you're really only ever as good as your state. You know, people say, like, never make important decisions decisions when you're emotional or when you're stressed or when you're very angry or anything like that. You really, your cognitive function, your decision-making is really only as good as your emotional state. So is there a way to be able to change or shift your emotional state for the better quickly, easily, on demand, apart from having to go to the pub or you know, the local bottler, I guess, these days. Um, you don't call them bottlers here. You call them off-licenses, sorry. Um, <laughs> alcohol. <basically>. Alcohol, booze. <laughs> yeah, booze or, you know, drug of choice. Or for some people, it's exercise. For some people, it's, you know, you name it, right? And, you know, sure, you could do all those things. Or you could just, like, sit and breathe for a few moments and see what happens. So, you know, I really, really you know, during lockdown just felt like a huge responsibility to try and share the work as much as possible because I could just see people just going into this survival mode of just, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do for my family? And there just needed to be that constant reframing of, well, in that state, you're not really going to be able to make the best decisions. You're not going to be able to feel good about yourself and what is possible. And, you know, one of the things I'm trying to encourage people to think about right now is, we are in probably, at least in our lifetimes anyway, the most uncertain point in history. We have no clue what's going to happen. Um, at the time we're chatting now, US elections just around the corner. Who knows what's going to happen there and how that's going to influence the rest of the world too. Um, so yeah, we, we are just swimming in uncertainty. But can we be okay with that? 
Can we actually feel comfortable in that? Can we be excited in that? And can you switch your mindset from, I don't know what's going to happen, therefore I am anxious and scared, to I don't know what's going to happen, what kind of incredible things can happen for me? Because that's been my experience. I used to be a massive um, control freak. You know, I used to work in, uh, in the corporate world and I, I literally had a 10-year plan of what was going to happen marked down to the quarter of like, by this point, I'm going to have this promotion. By this point, I was like, this point, I'm going to meet a girl. This point, we'll get married. This point, we'll have kids. And this point, we'll travel. You know, like really just mapped out to the T. And it was a process for me of letting go of all that and, and believing, you know what? I don't actually think that that life is even my best life. That actually my best life is the one that I can't even imagine yet. And once I really turned my thinking around to that idea, in a weird, very strange way, all of a sudden these incredible opportunities just started coming. And I went, oh my gosh, I can't even believe that happened. Even the book, you know, that just came out. I had this idea that one day I would like to be an author, but I wasn't really pursuing the idea. And it really just kind of fell in my lap. And I was like, thank you. You know, of course I'll do this. So can you start to trust in life a little bit more, even if it feels uncertain and unknown? What if the best thing that could happen to you was sitting in that unknown field of potential and that all you needed to do was just be open to receive it? It's, it comes becomes almost like this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy in a weird way. So... Yeah, I think that's how breathwork can help. <laughs> wow, I, honestly, I'm nodding my head when you're talking about the plan and being a planner, because Richie, yeah. I feel like I'm maybe moving out of it a little bit. This year's definitely jolted me, but I am someone who does like to plan. And I would say, you know, type A, control freak, whatever you want to call it. I, I like to plan. I like to feel as though I'm actioning things and that I have autonomy and I can make decisions, I can do things. And I think this year really, really challenged me to go, well, I wanted to do this year, this year, I wanted to go here, I wanted to go there, do these things. And as you said, the uncertainty of not knowing and going, okay, if I can't control this by this month or this by next year, or what am I gonna do instead? And as you said, being in this like panic state almost, I think is what you describe, people yeah. will just panic. And I can really, you know what, there's two sides, because I don't wanna seem like it's like, oh, you know what, as you said, this self-fulfilling prophecy of like, I've seen it, you know, it's like the, the, the biases that we have. You know, if I said to you, for example, like, look for this is a strange example but bear with me look for all the red cars and you go out you're going to see a lot of red cars because i've asked you to look for them so it's like there's a red car there's a red car there's a red car same you know pick a color but i think when you so if you're focusing on yeah uh, the problems the hurdles the negative you know this person said a horrible thing or the world is bad and the world is dark and everything is bad you are your bias is drawn to look there's another example to confirm what you just said there's another example there's another example and it does work in reverse so and, and as you said, people don't want to be, you know, it's it's difficult. You kind of, you feel that from people, you know, that kind of tension, that kind of like, every, you know, every suggestion you have for them, oh, that doesn't work, Adrienne, you know, I don't want to hear that. They've tried it. It doesn't, they're not open at all. So you can't even get in, you know? And I think in reverse, you know, when you say to people, well, you know, how about you look for the three things today that make that made today great? It can be a small thing like, you know, your almond croissant, which was delicious, or it could be, I don't know, you know, spending more time with your kids because they're not school today, or just three things, just three, just start with three. You don't have to give me a list of 50 things to be grateful for. Start with three, and you'll suddenly see 
50 because you'll be like oh actually that was good and oh that was good too and that was great and I think that's something that I in lockdown started to do more of I've always been you know I try to be quite mindful of being grateful of listing things I do that exercise with my son quite a lot but in lockdown more than ever I was like okay you're not going on that trip you're not running that race you're not doing that talk but you've got food in your fridge you've got you know you can go out and go for a run today like there was all these things where I was like let's just focus on and and, and draw your attention to the good and you'll start to like the, the like I said I don't want to say to people oh your problems aren't real I understand you know that the world is difficult and people do have th challenges to face, but they're there regardless of how you feel. Does that make sense? Like in the moment, it's still gonna be there, whether you feel panicked or whether you choose to go, okay, um, I can do this, let's go. It's like choosing what it means to you, you know, because it's going, like you said, it's gonna be there regardless. So at what, what are you going to decide and how are you gonna decide on how you feel about this? And that is real empowerment when rather than being a slave to your environment and being purely reactive to everything that's going on around you, can you see what's happening around you and then decide how you feel about it? Don't say, oh, because of global pandemic, I'm going to go into a deep depression. Can you say, oh, global pandemic, I see everything that's going on. And sure, there's this pull for me to want to go in this direction, but how can I tune myself differently to see the opportunity in this? And plenty of people have, plenty of people haven't, but it's, um, and you know, your, your little piece around the gratitude practice, you know, the science is out on that, on, you know, how a consistent gratitude practice actually changes the brain to be able to very literally wires differently so that you get to see things in a slightly different way, perhaps a good practice to do in your power hour. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, but yeah, you know, and to one really cool thing to add on top of that is, you know, when you use, uh, breath work, but say before gratitude practice, um, again, it turns down the, the part of the brain that, uh, like the monkey mind, the chattering part of the brain that will decide, oh, this is stupid or this doesn't make sense or, um, oh, I need to do this now. I should just quit it and just go and start my day. No, use breath work. It turns down that part of the brain and actually brings you into the emotional centers of your brain, the limbic system. And then when you start to do gratitude practices, it is so much more powerful. It's like you are there. It's like maybe you're you're feeling grateful for your son. And then as soon as you think of your son, his face literally just pops in your head and you're like, oh my God, hello, oh, I love you, you know? So it's a it's a beautiful thing to be able to almost disconnect from the, the world outside and go within and then do some do some good work, whether it's gratitude practice or even a bit of spring cleaning of how it is that you're feeling. Absolutely. And Richie, I can't move on to talking about the Power Hour until we talk about the book. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned in the intro, the book is called Exhale. And as I said, mega excited to deep dive into that. I probably am going to start reading it as soon as I leave the studio. <laughs> so can you tell us firstly, who you wrote this book for? I wrote it for myself years ago. <laughs> the, you know, I, I, the person I had in mind when I wrote this book was when I first started breathwork, what were the questions that I had? What were the things that I wanted to understand? Because breathwork is such a uh, broad um, range of different techniques and different uses, I, was, I wanted something that could almost give me like the map of the territory. And this is where Exhale fits in, I believe. It's really, really perfect for anyone who's wanting to get started with their breath. Um, you know, I after... Uh, working with Wim and having that experience in, in Poland, um, 
I, uh, I traveled around the world for three and a half years learning from all sorts of different people about the breath. So we're talking psychologists, therapists, uh, breathwork masters, yogis, uh, university researchers, doctors, physiotherapists, athletic coaches, like all sorts of different people who are using the breath in different ways. And so what I um, wanted to do with this book was distill all the different almost perspectives or points of view on the single thing called the breath and give a whole array of use cases on how you can use the breath throughout the day. So, you know, you could, there's lots of things there for anxiety, sleep. It's almost like a, a recipe book, you know, breathe this way if you're feeling anxious, breathe this way if you are struggling to sleep, breathe this way if you want um, to feel more creative or if you want more, um, Energy, breathe this way to help you to make better decisions. Breathe this way to relieve a hangover. Breathe this way to quit smoking. Breathe this way for better sex. Breathe this way if you're looking to go deeper into yourself and really do some inner work. All sorts of different uh, use cases, as well as being able to look at your breath as it stands and, just, and, and understand if it is serving you in its best way possible. Because, of course, it's great to be able to use the breath for two to three minutes here, 10 minutes there. But what about all the other times that you're still breathing? Surely that's kind of important as well. So there's a way to be able to look at your breath, analyze your breath, even grade your breath, and then a plan to be able to modify it, to be able to improve it if there is some improvements that need to be made. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. And I really do hope it helps a lot of people. Mm, well, congratulations. I'm Thank sure you. it will. And uh, we're going to leave a link and info in the show notes to this episode. So go ahead and make sure that you order the book. It's out now. So Richie, let's talk a bit about the Power Hour. I'm not really sure how much you know about my morning Power Hour. Well, I, I know what the power hour is. Mm. Yours personally, I'm not sure what yours is, but you know, it's <laughs> earning that yeah, it's earning yeah. that one the first hour of the day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the yeah. first hour and choosing to uh, you know, focus that hour on something for yourself, whatever that is, you know, it's different for everyone. But I'd love to know what time you get up in the morning and what the first hour of your day is all about. So I wake up between usually between 4.30 and 5.30 every day. Um, and why I love your concept of the power hour so much is because I, and I definitely do that, but my power hour is more like power four hours in the sense that I don't have anything scheduled in my diary before usually 10 o'clock in the morning. And that, so basically from five, let's say call it five o'clock till 10 o'clock, um, or sometimes nine, that is my time to do whatever it is that I want to do. And so usually there will be some form of exercise in there. There will be meditation. There'll be a cold shower. Uh, I, I wake up and I instantly jump in the shower and have a cold shower. I don't know why. I just have gotten to the routine now. Do you have an alarm that wakes you or do you wake naturally yourself? Um, it depends. Today, I, my alarm was at 5.15 and I woke up at 4.45. Okay. So yeah, sometimes it, the alarm does, sometimes it doesn't. I'm just an early bird. I think actually in Australia, um, we have a quite an early morning culture there because I think the weather's so good, people like to do stuff before work, like go for a run or do some exercise or something. Um, 
but yes, yeah, so there'll be breath, some breath work, there'll be some meditation, there'll be some exercise, there'll be a cold shower. Um, there will be reading, and I absolutely, um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't read as much as I used to for probably the last three years of, of, of my life, I think. Um, but it was just before lockdown, actually, that I just said, you know what? Even though life is so busy, like reading is so important to me and I love it. So I just need to dedicate the time and like create the time to say this, no matter what's happening in my life, this is my reading time. So there's a big chunk of that is reading. Um, journaling as well is very, uh, if there's one thing that I think could be so useful for so many people, it's journaling. Just because even though you think, oh, I, I think everything anyway, so like, what's the point of journaling? The physical act of writing something down uses different parts of your brain and you start to see things differently when you write it down. So journaling is absolutely brilliant for me too. Um, and I think it, that's about it. There'll be a combination of those things. Um, and usually towards by, by the back end of that, I'll have breakfast at some point. Sure. Yeah. So you're ticking all the things on the power hour list. Is I, it really? Yeah, because, you know, yeah. I encourage people to try out different things. And, you know, what one what works for one season might not work for another. So, you know, it might be have a season where you get up every day and you want to run or hit the gym or take a class. But, you know, I think, you know, that can change. And you might have a season where you want to read every morning or you yeah. want to, as you say, journal or do something different. And so, yeah, I my power hour tends to change. It's always that, you know, that same hour. It's always that focused time. But it definitely has this, like, seasonality of like I'm I'm working on this thing for for a while and then and then that can change and the reading thing I also love to read in the mornings and I also get my son to read in the mornings and I think for any parents listening you know I have like there's a stack of books like some of his books and comics and all things like by on the other side of of my bed and in the mornings a for me it's because I'm my brain is you know so switched on it's not like if I try and read in bed at night when your eyes just want to close, you know, so there's that. But also for for him, I find the same thing, you know, it's kind of like just get in, come in the morning, like whatever time, if you've got two hours before school, you know, if you've got early rising kids, then just, you know, go ahead, grab some comics, grab a book. It doesn't have to be, you know, read the school book or something educational, just let them choose like anything they want. And before you know it, it's like 45 minutes or an hour's gone and you're both, you know, still there, still reading. And I think it's a really, yeah, it seems to be a really great way to, a great time to focus the mind the time goes so quickly reading mm. in the morning that's amazing and i was that was going to be my question to you actually was you know i'm 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 very lucky well in in a sense that you know if i'm single live by myself so you know i can structure my day to be exactly however it is i want so i can take three to four hours every morning and block out that time and just be me but being a parent you know different story right yeah. <laughs> completely different story sometimes i think because for me if i'm honest the power hour it, it started so that i could have an hour before jude woke up before my son woke up you know he was only four or five years old and for a lot of parents they feel that you know from the moment their children wake up it's like go 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 all these things as you say you're thinking about another person feeding yeah. them dressing them washing them all these things so for me it was actually like have an hour before all of that for yourself mm. and, and so I still yeah most of the time do have that but if Jude is awake or if like you say if it's the weekend if we don't have somewhere to rush to then it's nice to kind of I guess start to build those morning habits for them too you know because he's nine now he's getting older so it's like I want you know we actually do some breath exercises and you know I want him to I guess start to you know I think children they really do mimic what you do they don't listen to what you say, but they mimic what you do. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's fine for us to tell our kids, oh, do this, do this, do this, but actually just 
show them, do it with them. Um, but I mean, you know, everyone's got to find what works for them. And as I said, I have one nine-year-old child. Whereas if you have a nine-month-old, you might be listening to this and thinking it's, like, it's a little why different. Why aren't you doing what I'm doing? <laughs> right? It's like, wow, my, my and babies that don't sleep through the night, I definitely think you get a bit of a, a pass for, for the oh, power yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. Maybe it becomes a power 20 minutes, mm, you yeah. know, just something for Or a power yourself. nap. Power nap, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Richie, I've absolutely <laughs> loved talking to you today. I honestly feel like I could talk to you all day. But before I ask you my closing question, can you tell us all where people can find you online, where they can access some of your classes or workshops, and one more time where we can get the book? Yep. So um, the my website is thebreathguy.com. On Instagram, it's thebreathguy. That's probably the best places to reach me. Um, yeah, the book is out now, available on Amazon, Apple Books, in the UK, Waterstones, um, Barnes & Noble in the US, lots of, if you just go to my website, there's like a whole list of all the different retailers there. Um, and uh, I have an app as well, out as well, it's called Flourish, and it has a, on there, there's a lot of really great free guided breathing, um, I call them journeys, on there for you to try out and start to build some sort of relationship with your breath. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. You know, I've just started doing some in-person stuff again, which has been just, uh, I'm just so happy and so grateful to, you know, be with people and, and be able to share this work again with people physically. It's great to do it online and very lucky that Breathwork translates very well online, but, um, you know, getting people in a room and doing it together, there's a special energy in that. So yeah, keep a lookout for announcements for things like workshops. And when we get to travel again, I'll be off in any part of the world teaching sure. anyone who'll listen to me <laughs> so um so uh so yeah just just keep a lookout and uh hopefully especially i'm sure next year um i'll be i'll be out and about again in a bigger way great well i'm glad that i was able to pin you down and get you here today yeah. so my closing question which i ask to every guest is about time it is about the power hour so often i hear that you know all oh, this sounds great adrian but i don't really have time and you know if i had more time i'd love to do that so if you were given the gift of an extra hour every single day there's now 25 hours in your day. What would you use that extra hour to do? More time with friends. Yeah. I I have, and I've recognized this in myself, a tendency to be real, get really absorbed with whatever it is that I'm doing or these ideas or, you know, visions of things that, you know, I want to kind of create. And I think that probably for me comes at a cost of not spending enough time with my friends. Um, which I, I think the ones who I'm close with are very patient with me about and really understand me and get that. And so I'm very grateful for them. So I think if I had another hour, it would be just setting aside that hour to have more catch-ups and see how everyone's going. And, and yeah, yeah, I think that would be nice. Awesome. I love that. Maybe if any friends listen, they, they can schedule in. Maybe they should do Uh-oh. Maybe now they they're should, all going to start ringing me. <laughs> they should, maybe they should try and get in touch at 4.30 in the morning. So let's have our power hour together. Uh-huh. Wicked. Thank you so much, Richie. Thank I you, really yeah. hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode, everyone. I'm so glad to be back. We're bringing you new episodes every single week. I've got some incredible guests lined up to come in and be on the show. So as always, if you do enjoy this podcast, please do share it. It helps us to reach new people. It helps get new guests helps keep bringing the power hour to you so yeah as always rate review all of those things have an awesome awesome week thank you so much for listening see ya thanks richie thank you see you guys